Coming down the aisle at a combined weight of 545 pounds, being accompanied to the pod by Mark Robb, the Thought God, they are your Tag Team Champions, B-Handsome-Bane, the WrestleCast Power Hour. So, like, in, in real life, and as a black wrestling fan, as a wrestling fan, period, not even black wrestling fan, but as a fan of wrestling, the art of professional wrestling, uh, I knew a long time ago that that Hulk Hogan was a fucking snake oil salesman. I understood, you know, that he was mostly flash and no, you know, mostly pizzazz and no substance. I got that at an early age, but something still just about the fanhood and just like whether or not I didn't, whether or not I preferred his style of pro wrestling, I knew for a long time that I did not like the person that Hulk Hogan was. But because of what he brought to the business, I guess just out of respect, I didn't completely rule him out. And um, it is just one of those things also, I think, as as a fan and you know somebody as a kid as a kid like Hulk I was right at that sweet spot of like kids who were being just herded in by the millions to be you know the driving force of Hulkamania I was right in there I was I was a He-Man kid I was uh, um the toys where the uh, Justice League toy. Well, it was um, Super Friends. Super Friends toys, so you could like squeeze the leg and they punch, or you squeeze their arms and they run, or whatever. Like I was, I was from that era of let's get all these stupid little kids as money, and that, like, if if you want to see the mic, the the largest microcosm of that um, is, I mean, not just. Hulkamania, I, I I would have to believe that Hulkamania was the first thing that was able to vacuum money out of the pockets of parents for their children, uh, like to follow that business model. Um, I feel like it had to be like the pioneer of that. And so to understand, you know, later on, you grow up that you've been hustled or that you are demographic you know, okay, whatever. Not to disappoint. I mean, not to not to down anybody, but you know, it is. You know, they looking. They looked at our little faces and they saw money. You know, um, but you you kind of wish that like some of it, some of it came from a sincere place, and then you get a little bit older and you see. You see him kick out of Warriors 3, even though, listen, this podcast does not give one sweet damn about the Ultimate Warrior, but if you're going to put somebody over clean, put them over clean. Don't, 
Like, that's such a master class in going into business for yourself. It's like on the grandest. It was WrestleMania. He 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 kicked out of the finish on three. So he's still pinned, but he still pops up. No selling the damn gorilla splash. I mean the the gorilla press and the um the, the giant splash or whatever. We look. I'm never going to say, you know, Ultimate Warrior got screwed on that one. But Ultimate Warrior got screwed on that. Um, and, and and even before then, you know, looking back now, how he just completely photobombed Macho Man Randy Savage's first title reign after winning the tournament at WrestleMania 4. And that's supposed to be Savage's moment. And... Since they're both baby faces, Hogan can't rightfully challenge for the title in the 80s, you know? Um, so Randy's supposed to be the big baby, but he Hogan is holding his hand the entire time. And he doesn't need his hand held. He's Randy Savage. Savage. And in looking back, I think the career of, of, of Randy Savage... Uh, was quite disrespected and regardless of whatever um backstage politics took place or did not um i really do feel as though randy savage had he had like a legit gripe about not really if he i wouldn't blame him if he felt that he didn't get his just due uh in the wwf um he's a utility guy he did everything he was asked to do he retired he unretired he did the the commentary booth he uh you know subbed in for guys come on man like anyway hogan hogan was really instrumental in the disrespect of randy savage's career uh so yes yeah, i was uh i was going somewhere with that um, just the entire time he wins the tournament, Hogan comes in the ring, puts the belt on him, like as if he's passing the torch, he's helping him pick up Elizabeth and, you know, all the stuff that a year later when Savage was, you know, fighting a brain aneurysm to tell him, I hate you. I hate your guts. He was completely in the right. And, 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 and Hogan was working baby. It, Everybody, everybody older than seven saw like, wait a minute, this guy ain't right. And it turns out that he's even closer to that kind of character. Some snivelly, like Savage was right the entire time. Um, but say all that to say, man, like at, at some point you hope like you want to grow some kind of conscience and, and uh, and I, I want to believe, I want to, but I don't. I want to believe that sometimes Hulk Hogan has like a hard time sleeping because of like what he had like propped himself up to be, and like if he could have like if if he could have worked himself into a shoot of being like a real American hero kind of guy, like you know, yeah. I don't know. Then again, he was dastardly in the ring 
but you know he's he was being dastardly to King Kong Bundy, and you know we we like to we like to fat shame guys. So Hulk Hogan had bigger, puffier muscles, and so we we went with him. Um, look, man, I I had very low expectations for for Hulk Hogan as I got older. Uh, as I found out about him being the, the union breaker, uh, the prima donna, the backstage prima donna, the that's not gonna work for me, brother, the uh, the 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 WrestleMania nine fiasco, um, the aforementioned uh, kick out on Warriors three. It's just like this guy had done nothing to earn my good faith or to, to continue to hold my good faith. Cause he didn't really have my good faith. Um, but it didn't affect my way of seeing him as a performer, namely at WrestleMania 18 against the rock or is, were they still doing the X eights or anyway, I don't know. Um, you know that 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 first match with the rock it was magic and you know the the nostalgia of it all toronto toronto um the switcheroo that may or may not have organically happened hogan says it organically happened and so they just switched it in the ring um but hogan lies so much so I, I gotta take anything that I gotta take anything Hogan says with a grain of salt, just off GP, because this motherfucker will lie about being he he, he lied about pitching for the Reds or something like that, and it's like savage pitch for the Reds. He's such a weirdo, bro. Like pathological liar for sure. If we're if if we're if we're analyzing the. Uh, <laughs> The one and only Terry Bollea. If we're, we're analyzing, he's definitely a pathological liar. He's probably a psychopath. Okay. Like, not killer, maybe. But, well, then again, he did agree with OJ. Anyway. Such a complex, like, wow, man. What If all of this is a work, bravo, man. I'll take everything I said back. I'll take it all back. No. Um, but racism, man. Race. Racism. You know? That was... Wow. Racist, racist bro? Racist. You Like, you use the word racist. I'm, I'm a little racist, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm racist within... Re- within re- what? I'm oppressive to another race within reason, brother. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I, I, I reinforce, uh, things that keep the black man down, man, a little bit. Like, shut up, dog. Like, you're just throwing words around, for one. But, I mean, they're true, you know? That's probably, that's one of the few things that man has said that I believe. He's a little racist. He's false. He's a lot racist. Um, and then to fling the word around, of course, and, you know, we, we, we joke about it all the time on, on the Rascal Cast Power Hour. Uh, you know, I mean, you're listening to it right now. We joke about it all the time. All the time. Why? 
Cause man, why not? Um, honestly, um, I don't know. I secretly, I think I like some part of me hopes that he hears it and like, because that's really how he sounds to me. Like as you know, the guy who does the voices, who kayfabe, um, this guy who does the, the the voices and stuff, like any any voice that I ever do, any character that I've ever made up, or anybody, any impression that I've done, like that person or you know that that character is like a part of me. It's in there somewhere, and um, Hogan is like one of the easiest for me to do. Um, I can just I I, I can just snap in. I, I I can do I can do. Uh, Serious Hogan, brother. Uh, I've very rarely done Serious Hulkster, brother. Uh, I don't even do. I don't. I only do Serious Hulkster, brother. But, um, because he gets all the way down. There's a low register on that dude, man. So when you, you know, when he's screaming and hollering, you still gotta stay somewhere down in your throat, brother. And um, but not too, di- not too deep, man. Because you hear a lot of, you hear a lot of impressions of the Hulkster, man. They go down too low, brother. But, you know, you gotta stay somewhere and just say brother. Um, you know, that's, that's the gist of it. But I had been a Hulkamaniac, bro. Like I had the Python, uh, Python power, uh, bandana joint. Uh, my older brother got for me at a show. And, um,. You know, he he kind of brought me into the world, even though he wasn't like to me my main attraction. It was like I was brought in. You know, I I thought earthquake killed him a little bit. You know, um, I think by the time Undertaker choked him out in the D, I was over him. Um, definitely by Royal Rumble '92, the following pay per view, I was all the way over him. Uh, because I, I thought Sid looked sweet and, um, if I can get, if I can see Sid versus Ric Flair, which I mean, should have been right. Cause he was the last guy. Anyway, I wanted to see Sid with the belt. That nigga looked sweet. He was big as hell. He looked sweet. I thought he should be the champion. Um, and when he and, 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 and Hogan were going to enter the, Enter the thing for the thing. WrestleMania is so uh, what a what a what a waste of everyone's time. I'm gonna retire, brother. No. Anyway, um, yeah, 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 and, and uh, uh, friend of the pod, uh, well, patron saint of the pod, the Godfather, uh, late hitting his mark as Papa Shango. Good for you, bro. Like fuck that spot, man. Fuck, fuck. You, you probably like Hulk. Never mind. He, he struck me as one of them that just, you know, oh, we smoked weed together. And we stood across from each other when we had some Hulk. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's one of them types. So, whatever. He had a good time, which he had a good time. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Um, shout out to the Godfather. Charles Wright. Um, one of the good ones. Um... But yeah, I mean, you know, racism, like, wow, dog, like, it's, and it's just like not even creative, like, like you was just hanging out with Rodman, like, what was that all about, bro? Like, but you know, he's an eight foot nigger, I guess, so it's fine. 
And, uh, I mean, just, you know, I think, and I don't even, I don't, Kellen, don't even, don't even splice the, the audio in. Okay, maybe. But just how dismissive he was. It wasn't even like the fact that, yeah, I mean, the word itself is, is rough. Like, that's, that's wild to me. But, um, the niggers like you know what i mean like the fucking niggers like bro like used to used to chill with mr t sometimes bro like that's the blackest man um he 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 changed his name to mr so that you would have to call him mr uh because his 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 brother and his brother and his father used to, people used to call them boy and Mr. T wasn't playing that shit. Oh, I'm pretty sure his brother and father wasn't having that either. But, uh, yeah, he changed his name to Mr. T because racism. Racism caused this man to change his name to Mr. T. And, and then you're going to be sitting right there with your arm around him at WrestleMania on the WrestleMania 1 artwork. You trash, dog. Like, like his very appearance, like his his presence there changed it changed the course of your career. And, I mean, you know, and, and, and help to usher in, you know, a completely new era in pro wrestling, you know, sure. But um, just what he did for you by being there as a movie star, uh, whatever, dog. I mean, I'm sure he was handsome. I'm sure he was paid, but uh, you're supposed to pay him anyway. Um, it was hard to move past, man, because... Not only, not only because you know, like I said, you had Snoop and 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 Charles Wright, I'm sure, and you know all these other black folks that you know he got clout off of or was chasing behind, and you know who, who genuinely had an affection for him as well. Um, I imagine like Snoop being a kid watching Hogan, you know he. I'm sure. I'm sure that there's a part of him that is a true, true fan because Snoop is a big. You know, Snoop is a mark. So yeah, of course, him getting a pose with uh, with Hulk Hogan in the ring that was a, that was huge for Snoop. That was like one of those things. But you know, as long as you can get that sweet, sweet chocolate clout, uh, that's all that matters. You you know, try to get anyway. Anyway, um. I don't know. I, I I don't know how how I want to land this sucker because it's also it's also short. But I shook his hand, and that was you know, it it was it was fine. Again, I, I shook his hand, knowing all these bad things about him, and you know, but still, just it it, it had it wasn't racism yet. I want you to understand that I didn't shake hands with somebody I heard with a with a large white man who I heard say nigger first. I didn't. Uh, I had shaken his hand and then maybe a cu- a few months later was when the audio surfaced. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. But, you know, knowing all the, like I said, the the union breaker, the uh the backstabber, the prima donna, the the politician, the WrestleMania Nine fiasco. Knowing all that, I still went in there. I had a shirt that uh, had 
It was like a shirt from an old state fair. It was like a copy of a vintage shirt or something. I forgot. I got it for like a what a maneuver or something like that. Um, but it was I got I survived a leg drop from Hulk Hogan at some Minnesota fair. Blah blah blah. Um, and I wore it and, and and Hulk complimented it. And it was like around the time where I was like losing weight and my physique was picking up. You know, so um, I, I looked good in the shirt. I mean, I looked good in whatever shirt, but I looked good in the shirt. Um. And, you know, had video. It's probably it's video somewhere floating around out there. And, you know, I uh, did the Walk for Hunger and wore the Hulkamania colors. And people were, like, rallying around it um, still. Like, again, have, knowing, you know, that he's, you know, a backstabbing politician. But, like, not yet knowing that he uses the hard ER and the N-I-G-G to go with it. Um, come on, dog. It's not necessary, man. Racism is so unnecessary, and to, to for a guy to you know to have been a businessman the way he is for so long, he's such a again. I use him as a microcosm for just whiteness, and um, the fact that like there are white folks out there that will, you know, the the same white folks that don't want everybody to get um uh loan forgiveness because you know they they'd rather hold their own breath and and they they'd rather everybody be forced to hold their breath than anybody get to be like them so uh, <laughs> yeah just just hogan just kind of again even with the union stuff it would have been great for for the boys to have a union um but it was really to him. It was like, well, that's less for me, brother. That doesn't work for me, brother. Um. Anyway, scumbag, scumbag. Um. Uh, say all that to get to this point, and then I'm gonna get the hell out the way. Even though it's only like 20 minutes in, uh, we normally give you a power hour. Um, and I don't know, maybe Kellen, maybe Hyphen will find a way to stretch this, put it in, or you could just listen to it in. Point seven speed. There you go. Point seven five speed. We get like an hour out of this. Anyway, um, the fact of the matter, I am done with the Hogan voice. Um, I mean, it'll probably pop out every now and again, but as far as I mean, I've already kind of started weaning the show off of any kind of reliance on the, the, the Hulk Hogan character, just because it's time to move on. I've done it a million times. Um, if there's a point where, you know, it's, it's really going to serve a purpose or no other character will do, then, you know, fine. Uh, you know, he can, he can do a one-off. Um, we already did, uh, Hogan flows best. So that's like, that's, that's kind of the goodbye. That's the swan song, if you will, of, of, the uh, Hogan character. Um, it was fun. And I, I just, you know, it's no real like moral reason or anything, but just ready to not do it anymore. Um, because it's, it's also a dead horse. I think, uh, it works though. I mean, we're still gonna, we're still gonna have the, uh, still gonna drop that. Uh, well, so, so the nigger button, <laughs> Cause there's nothing, there's no other way to call it. 
no other thing to call it. Uh, the nigger button in our drops uh, is actually him saying Schwarzenegger. But if you shorten it to nigger, it like, you know, you hear it enough times. It's uh, it's really weird. But he he does pronounce it like Schwarzenegger. It's weird because it, it's not a stretch. Like you hear what you hear. Um, but anyway, he's saying Schwarzenegger, but it's like really, clo- really, really close. Um, and so that's that's the the kayfabe on that drop. Um, love it, and I, and I love that it's a whisper. It's just like it's like a it's like a dash of racism, you know. Just it just works. Um, when you hear it's like the the it's like the ghost. It's like a it's like the ghost of a white man of a random white man just whispering nigger in the wind. That's kind of what this. That 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 drop sounds like to me. Um, anyway, that uh, for the most part, the Hogan character is done. If it's the only reason that you listen to the Rasselcast Power Hour, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry that that's your favorite part <laughs> of the Rasselcast Power Hour, uh, and I promise that we will do better. Um, other than that. Uh, you know, Wrestle Mick Wrestle Face is back. He's way less problematic. He's a fun guy. Brett will pop in from time to time. Uh, newly reformed Sean. Well, not that newly, but reformed Sean. Reformed Sean is back. Um, we gotta, you know, we're, we're working some things out. We're gonna get Mississippi the Flapjack Kid in here somewhere at some point. I know you guys have been writing about getting Mississippi on the show. We're going to figure something out. Um, she's very busy fighting any number of things at any point in time or making love to any number of things at any point in time. She's just crazy like that. Uh, next week, we're going to get back to the uh, the meat and potatoes of the show. Uh, don't have I, I, I don't know who's coming on the show right but at this time, but uh, it's going to be fine. And uh, we're gearing up for November Tag Team Appreciation Month uh, with the Rasselcast Power Hour just to give you a little peek at what's coming up. Because Survivor Series tag team stuff is all in November. And tag teams don't get enough love, man. So that's what we're going to We are going to give tag teams a ton of love. Um, we got Halloween coming up. No idea what we're gonna do there. Eh, some idea. Um, you'll like it, all right? Or or you or you won't. You know, and that's okay. That's fine. You don't have to like everything, Marks. Uh, hyphen, bail me out. Play me some music. Do something. Get the secretaries. Tell these Marks get the hell out of my house. I love you. Bye. What up, you mutant miscreants? It is I, Oroko Saki, aka The Shredder, here to tell you about the Shredhead Podcast, starring me, The Shredder, and my best friend, my main brain, the brains of the outfit I'm talking about, Krang. Krang is there. He's my producer. We have a podcast. It's utterly ridiculous. It's an insane premise. Uh, to top it all off, I, I haven't even seen the Ninja Turtles in years, but we're primarily talking about hoops. Yes, the national 
the National BA, the W National BA. Um, uh, oh, damn it, I've run into the lyrics, I'm sorry. But just check out the Shredhead podcast. It's me, it's crying, it's crazy. So here at the Rascalcast Power Hour, we take great pride in the fact that we try, air quotes, to talk so much good about professional wrestling. At the end of the day for us, it's not about whining about the current product. It's not about whining about storylines. It's not even about doing a whole episode dedicated to when your favorite wrestler loses his mind and goes nuts on the AEW locker room. None of of that matters. What we like to do here is have fun. That's why it's so important for us to stick to the format when we have a guest and ask them how they got into wrestling and then ask them gauntlet questions and then, of course, let them induct somebody into the Hall of Fame. We also enjoy doing the What the Fuck is Going On segment because it does keep us a little bit more current, but at the same time, that can lead to some you know, different paths where it's not as positive as we would like to be. Now, for anybody who's familiar with me at all, you know, I always say the power of positivity is real. So when Handsome Bane told me he was going to put out this last Hulk Hogan piece, I suggested to him the other day, I said, let me counteract that with 10 things that I love in professional wrestling right now. So I have about 25 minutes to talk about this, to give you all a, a, a good juicy episode featuring Handsome Bane's great piece and then this this fluff. So I'm, I made a list, guys. Made a list of different things I want to talk about. This is in no particular order, and I wrote this while I was watching football the other night. Okay. I love everything Matt Cardona is doing right now. Ever since he left WWE and got got laid off as Zack Ryder, he has hit the indies. He's hit the indies really strong. And he there's nowhere that this man won't wrestle. He's wrestling in bingo halls. He's wrestling on Ring of Honor. He's wrestling in NWA. He was holding a whole crap load of belts not even that long ago before he had to have surgery. And then the best thing on top of that is just how good Chelsea Green, his now wife, is as part of this. Because, again, someone else who got their WWE walking papers takes her ball and runs with it. And she, I don't know if she's still the tag champs with um, Deanna over there in, um, at Impact. But all the... They're just heat magnets, man. Cardona just does a wonderful job getting to finally be a heel, something he's never gotten to do. Correction. Something that he did not get to do as Zack Ryder. There it is in WWE. At least I don't remember a heel attempt. Most of the time I remember him not being on TV and then having his one Intercontinental Championship moment, which was very cool, by the way, WrestleMania 31. No, that was WrestleMania... 32 maybe because 31 is when Brian came back and won it I digress I encourage you guys I follow both of them on on Instagram and I encourage you to try to just keep up with the amount of wrestling that these two are doing they they travel all the time 
So that's fun. They're married. Chelsea's got cute dogs and cats and things like that. But Matt Cardona is reminds me a lot of what Cody did when he left, man. He he hadn't went the New Japan route because, honestly, I don't know if New Japan is interested or if he's even reached out. But a lot of what Cody did when he left WWE, I was, I was a big fan of, obviously. I, I've named him as one of my favorite wrestlers of the year one time. Uh, during that independent run and just seeing somebody really pick them up by them bootstraps and uh, strap the rockets to their own back. I, I just love it. So Matt Cardona, honorable mention to Chelsea Green, man. Another thing that I currently love, and a lot of these are WWE. Y'all know I'm the WWE guy. I, I don't apologize for anything. And I think Handsome Bane will agree with me on this one. Sammy Zayn. Being a part of the bloodline is the most interesting thing that Sammy's had to do in years. And here's something about Sammy. As much as we, as as the Marks, complain about, oh, Sam, Sammy deserved this. If Sammy hadn't got hurt when he got called up and fought John Cena, things might be different for Sammy. Sammy's always fighting KO or he's with KO or Sammy... Sammy's always was he what went for like 18 months and he got robbed from the Intercontinental Championship I think something like that that stuff was cool but it didn't do anything for me storyline wise the appeal for me was Sammy was always his end ring because no matter what even if he's being chicken shit Sammy you get Sammy Zayn in a ring and he's going to do his thing I'm a big fan of Sammy Zayn Add him to the bloodline mix and not not just it be a thing where he's like, I'm part of the bloodline, guys. They let me hang out, which is kind of what they were doing. But now you see the full embrace of Roman and how mad <laughs> how mad uh, Roman's uh, cousin is, man. You have to love how Roman's embraced him. And then Sammy is just all about the bloodline. He's got his own, he's honorary Oos now. And he's in matches that that impact bloodline storylines. And he, he, there was this dope picture that I reposted when um, at the Raw season premiere, actually. And Roman and Paul are on the side of the ring. The camera's facing Sammy and Sokoa and the Usos. And Sammy looks right at home, man. And this story writes itself. It really does. Now, I myself have been have been known to say that Shinsuke Nakamura should be the one who dethrones Roman. And I know that won't happen. But it kind of writes itself for Sammy to be the one to do it too. Especially if you just let it play out and you give Sammy another month or two. Well, let's see. It's November 17th. You give Sammy until right before Survivor Series before Roman gets mad at Sammy and like throws him out. You you do that. And then you put Sammy as the underdog who's facing Roman. I don't know. Not a Survivor Series necessarily. But whatever the December pay-per-view is going to be. Maybe set it up for the Rumble. Somehow, some way. You have Sammy take the belt off Roman, and all of a sudden, cracks in the bloodline show him. But on top of that, I mean, and Sammy don't even have to keep it very long. 
Sammy can can go give it to somebody else like after a few weeks. He does not have to keep it long um, because I, I don't want to see what a Sammy, son, a Sammy Zane face undisputed championship run looks like. The main thing is you get the belts off Roman and then if, if The Rock is walking back in to WrestleMania to face Roman for sure next year, You've cleared the path for them to really clash without them putting the damn belts in there. Because you know, you know, if Vince was still around, and who knows if Vince isn't around. I don't trust the fact that Vince is gone. You know that if Vince had it his way, The Rock and Roman would be for the Undisputed Championships. Again, I don't need to see The Rock as champion anymore. I didn't need it in 2014. (laughs) I didn't need that at all. Uh, 2013 no no thank you I did not need it at all and we don't need it again so I love all the work Sammy's doing and hopefully hopefully it'll it'll write itself man it'll, it'll be glorious he doesn't necessarily he doesn't even necessarily have to win the championship belts but seeing him stand up to Roman especially if Roman turns on him real hard which we all can kind of see coming and they get to have an epic match or something um, where Sammy really gets to lay it on the line for like 20 plus minutes of Roman Reigns. Chef's kiss, man. The Judgment Day. Two things I love about Judgment Day. Three, actually. I'm a big fan of the fact that Dominic has now turned on Ray and is essentially Rhea Ripley's sub. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I would like to be Rhea Ripley's sub. Hi-o. Finn is excellent. Finn is doing excellent heel work. It's easily, I mean, shh. Finn has Finn had been a heel? I I I can't remember a a since he's been WWE run where Finn has been a heel. And you, you could say maybe NXT, but still that didn't that didn't feel like a heel run to me for real. This Finn. He's cold. He's calculating. He's got all the charisma in the world because he's Finn Balor. He's not relying on the demon. He, he's just, he's just a badass man. Like literally, Edge gave him the perfect pedestal to jump into his best heel run in the company. I, I love everything the Finn's doing, and then Rhea, man, R- Rhea might be. And, and and it's kind of funny because she's literally in this group and she she's part of this storyline with Ray, and with a of course them going against AJ and now the OC. I mean Ray, aside from Bianca and Bailey, Ray might be one of the strongest female. Excuse me, she might be one of the strongest wrestlers in the company right now, and she's not even wrestling like that. She's not going after anybody's belts. So when they start turning her loose, also I don't know if she's still injured or not. I know she's being physical, but I don't haven't. They might be protecting her that way as well. When she's able to start being turned loose on the rest of the women's division again, especially in this Judgment Day form. I relish that. And especially if Becky comes back as a face after what happened at the end of SummerSlam. 
and they're still on Raw together. I think I think that could be some good magic, man. I think it could be some very good magic. So I I love the Judgment Day. I, I love I love everything they're doing over there. They can keep that up. Uh, we're going to do some AEW stuff now. John Moxley. What's not to love about John fucking Moxley, man? Walks out of WWE under his own terms. Works up into his like what very last day. Does everything they want, like the shield, the shield goodbye, and everything. Goes out like a good soldier. Takes what was it a month off, and then signs with all elite wrestling and becomes their second ever champion in history. Then from there, the man goes into COVID, carries the belt for months until he drops it to Kenny, goes to rehab in the middle of that and makes no shame in his game. I had a problem, like really out there, I had a problem. I had to go address it for me and my family. And, And he goes away for a few months, comes back in way better shape. And this starts killing all the competition all over again. Then my man, when Phil ugh, hurt his foot and couldn't defend the AEW championship, comes in as an interim AEW champion and is cleaning house every single week. And then when Phil... Suddenly, who couldn't walk like days before, is ready for a rematch. He not only beats the piss out of him on, on Dynamite, he then turns around and does the job for him the following Sunday at All Out. And we all know what happened after All Out. And then my man was supposed to go on vacation and be off until I think this is week, this is a week they go to Cincinnati, something like that. He's supposed to have a vacation from the time All Out happened until around now but the company needed him he came back and rallied the troops led the locker room got in the AEW world championship tournament oh and not to mention he uh no big deal won the AEW world championship again and he's getting ready to fight hangman like bro shout out to john Mo- shout out to the shield shout out to john moxley man uh, you you love to see it. The other thing I'm loving about AEW right now, despite the fact that he hasn't had to be active really, he just gets to hang out with his his big uh, money in the bank poker chip. Is MJF man? One seeing MJF come back after that impassioned promo he cut back in the summer. Well, I'm leaving this company. Fuck you, Tony Khan, all that shit. To see him come back obviously for more money, go over as a joker. And then and then they they literally had this man lined up. I saw the ad, the advertisement. There was going to be MJF versus Punk on the Rampage after All Out. And of course, we all know what happened after Ram, or not Rampage, a Dynamite after All Out. We all know what happened after All Out. Ugh. But I digress. MJF came back and cut some fun promos. He he teased the face turn, but then he, of course, he he went real way back to MJF territory, and and just seeing him 
up in those shadows holding that poker chip at any given moment, man. You know, MJF's going to come down and become that AEW world champion. And it's, it's going to be something because when they finally put this AEW belt on an untested dude, because hate him or hate him, like Chris Jericho, he's been through it. He's had many championships. Whether you liked his run in WWE as champion or not, Moxley has champion experience carrying around a big belt. Kenny Omega, if you think that guy hasn't won a few things, then uh, come on. <laughs> um, Even when they gave it to Phil, I mean, he, he, 434 days, yay. Um, yeah, cool. So there's always been a pedigree of experience behind the world champion. Oh, and, and ha- Hangman, ha- Hangman was, um, I'm sorry, Hangman, I left you out, man. I don't know enough off the top of my head about Hangman and know if he's ever had any really, really big belts, but I'm going to say with him being in New Japan with Bullet Club and things like that, I don't believe he ever had any singles world championship success before AEW. So that was their first experiment. And Lord knows, I don't know why Punk needed to go over him in the summer, but whatever. (laughs) Putting it on MJF, though, would be another step in the right direction, which AEW crucially needs because it would shut up a lot of people who say they're just bringing in WWE rejects. I don't care, but I know some of you marks out there do. And then it would also give MJF a chance to really put the company on his back. Like he signed through like 2024 or something ridiculous like that. So he's still going to be there for a while. But if he wants to audition for the E, this is a great time to do it. Just saying, just a thought. More things that I love right now, Michael Cole, and we mentioned it on the episode, man. I spent most of my adult life feeling like Michael Cole was okay. There there was never any memorable Michael Cole calls like JR, but of course there's only one Jim Ross. But Michael Cole was in several spots where he he should have had a classic call. Many a headlining star-filled match has crossed his announcer's desk. And because he had a dickwad screaming in his ear at all times, at all times, JR, who learned to, had also worked side by side events, JR really, especially with King, like, I, I feel like there was a certain level of trust with Vince. I'm not to say that. Vince didn't stay in Michael Cole's ear, not Michael Cole's ear, Jim Ross's ear. But I really do feel like there's a certain amount of freedom to say what he needed to say. I feel like when Vince chose Michael Cole to be that guy, he was like, I'm not going to let up on you for a second. And he never did. Since Vince went away, since you've been gone, I can now breathe. Michael Cole, man has been so enthusiastic. It's like he had no sense of taste for years, and then finally he's able to taste food for the first time. He's been eating the food the whole time because he needs it to eat, to live, but it's the first time he's actually getting to taste 
Michael Cole has been a joy, and I'm really sad that Pat McAfee's gone. He took that stupid ESPN job. But, I mean, maybe he'll come back after football season. Who knows? How long, much longer college football ends? Anyway, I really, truly enjoy watching Michael Cole right now. I'm going to save... Oh, I'm not going to get through this whole list because I said 25 minutes. We're about 20-some minutes. I'm going to dance around that one. I want to say Johnny Gargano has been so much fun to watch come back. One of the NXT OGs. And being able to watch him. Again, talk about joy. He's been so happy to be back. This man's feuding with Alpha Academy. (laughs) Who wants to be on the main roster feuding with Alpha Academy? That's the kind of stuff that NXT people like feared. That's why Gargano and and, um, Champa didn't want to go up there, man. But just seeing the joy for Johnny Wrestling to be back and his enthusiasm in the ring, he looks great. I mean, obviously he's healthy. He hasn't wrestled anywhere. I really love it, man. And and they're not rushing things, man. They're just letting things go organically. And he's like feuding with Theory a little bit on the side. And they're just, they're just letting Johnny get his legs back, man. They're let, letting him get back out there and, you know, not not put him in some big feud. They're not overblowing it. Like, I kind of feared they're doing that with Bray, but this isn't a negative, po- this is not a negative segment. This is a positivity segment. But I digress. Oh, wait, I got to say this, though. I'm all about the fan of the theatrics with Bray and, and the White Rabbit and all that stuff. And now, apparently, the, the Funhouse characters are, are real wrestlers, I guess. That's super cool. But you know what I love the most about watching Bray Wyatt? When he got to wrestle. And that last run as a fiend, I felt like we spent more time in the damn playhouse than he did in the actual ring wrestling. You know one of my favorite matches he had during that run? When he beat the Miz's ass for the WWE Championship without becoming the Fiend. And he smiled the whole time. But whatever. Seeing Johnny back in WWE and seeing the direction they're going with him and them taking it slow and them doing a build towards something bigger just, just brings a smile to my face, man. Special shout out to Seth Rollins. Again, the Shield always doing big things. Seth has not let up. (laughs) Even in his current form of the drip daddy, whatever the hell he calls himself nowadays. Seth is just an incredible talent in the ring. Great promo. That promo he cut on on, um, (laughs) on Riddle. Man, when he he said his kids and his wife didn't get, didn't love him and stuff like that, that was just so. I mean, it was true, but it was it's just so needed, man. Yes, shit on Matt Riddle, he's trash. And I saw recently that uh, he did an interview and he was talking about how he wasn't the number one guy right now and was all Roman and how he'd like to have another shot. I I've been a fan of Seth ever since he cashed in on Brock and uh, Roman back at thirty one. And I've never looked back. I was devastated when um, 
Devastating Blood is neither in his first run. Enjoyed a lot of his second run, even though decisions were made where he didn't drop the belt to the Fiend when he should have. And even when they tried to pair him with Becky and do this kind of super couple thing that didn't work for anybody, he even recovered from that. And then found a different route to go where he was still relevant. And then he went on to have that uh, great match with KO at uh, WrestleMania, the first COVID WrestleMania in 2020. Seth is a great talent. The other thing I had on here, I had two other things. One is the bloodline, obviously. I, I didn't want to just put Roman credit to all the the bloodline. Um, that That's the Koa. That's, again, Sammy, Heyman, Roman, and the Usos, man. It, it gets no better when they're on TV. The thing I want to leave y'all with, though, and this is where it gets, I wanted to save this for last for a reason. I've been liking watching Ronda since Vince left. I know we used to have a segment on here called Trash Ronda's Gear. Her gear is still kind of trash. The braids every single week is, is very much lifted from black hairstyles, obviously, with the cornrows, the tight cornrows. But she is a fighter. And when she um she didn't quite do that when she was fighting, but you know, that they, they would wear braids and stuff. So eh, whatever. She's not doing anything too different either I think what's working for me though is I feel like she's buying in more to the idea of pro wrestling like I thought her feud with Liv was really actually good even though obviously we knew that Liv was going to drop the belt back to her but I think this could be building towards something really good for her in the future especially with her willingness to lose matches now, which we didn't see until, I think, wasn't Becky the first person to pin Ronda? So it's building towards that ultimate rematch because what, what would you want on your undercard for Roman and and The Rock other than maybe Becky Lynch and, and Ronda Rousey, man? That's that's a hell of a thing. And who knows what the hell Charlotte's off doing. I know I, I don't want another triple threat, but there there are options out there. And honestly, Charlotte doesn't really need to go near Ronda or Becky, uh, in my preference. But there's there's just something a little different about Ronda. Like she's she's acting more like she's enjoying pro wrestling, man. And I was gonna cut that off in the middle and kind of just leave y'all, but those are the ten things I love about wrestling. My name's B Hyphen. This has been the Rasslecast Power Hour. Handsome Bane started our show. Showing Mad Love will be back with us next week. And in the infamous words of J2, smell you later, sweaty marks. You can find B-Hyphen at B-Hyphen on Twitter and the B-Hyphen on Instagram. Follow Handsome Bane on Twitter and Instagram at ILA underscore POW. Mark Rob can be found on Twitter and Instagram at GoWinMadLove. Sayonara, smelly nerds. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? 